Hey friends, it's season five of the official Do Good Better podcast, and every Thursday we'll be releasing a pair of interviews with some amazing nonprofits talking about their awesome impact in the communities they are in. We'll talk about some challenges they've faced and chat about their best tips and tricks that might just help your organization do good better. Hey, enjoy these mini episodes of inspiration that make a major difference in the lives of those served by these incredible nonprofits. Hey, did you just have a meeting with a donor and they told you something really, really important and you have no place to put it except for like maybe an Excel spreadsheet or, a, I don't know, a random piece of paper in your office? Go to DonorDoc.com. Get a CRM system that works. Get a donor database system that works. Get something that gives you beautiful reports and beautiful dashboards that even your crankiest board member will love. Go to DonorDoc.com. Use the code word do good better at checkout and get a month free. DonorDoc.com. Choosing a partner to help you achieve success in your business or personal finances is a big decision. You need a devoted advisor who's experienced and attentive and invested in helping you accomplish your goals. Hey, you know what that sounds like? Brady Martz. Brady Martz knows that you've got a lot of options to choose from, but we're confident that Brady Martz is the right accounting firm for you. they got more than a half a century of experience making everyday count through tax, accounting, audit, and business advisory services. So... Contact Brady Marts to learn more about their unique solutions that they can provide you and your nonprofit. Your organization is awesome, but sometimes you want to be even awesomer. It's time to get your fundraising on with your host, fundraising expert and author, Patrick Kirby. Hey, everybody. Welcome to the official Do Good Better podcast. I'm your host, Patrick Kirby. And of course, we talk with people who are going to help our small and medium-sized nonprofits do good better. But what if people who can give some amazing advice and some success stories for small and medium-sized nonprofits are them, in fact, leaders of small and medium-sized nonprofits? And that's what we have for you today. I've got uh, Jeremy and Matt from Fix It Forward Ministry uh, today here on the official Do Good Better podcast. Jeremy, Matt, welcome to the show. Thanks, Thanks for having us. Uh, it's going to be awesome. All right. So uh, what you do is ridiculously amazing. Uh, I've had the pleasure of watching uh, this sort of from inception to growth from a, a from a distance, and it's been remarkable. But from someone, you know, scrolling through iTunes, YouTube, and they find uh, that they're really interested in what this is, but they might not know who you are or what you do. Why don't you give a 5,000 foot view on who you are, what you do, and why we're talking today? Jeremy, I'll pick on you first. Absolutely. So we started this about six and a half years ago, and the, the goal was to take the <clears throat> passions, I won't necessarily say super skills, but our passions for cars and fixing cars and do something meaningful in the community. So uh, Matt and I decided we wanted to help the needy in the community with their transportation problems. So we joined up with the YWCA to see if we could help fix some cars for the ladies staying in that shelter to get them to work, get their kids to daycare, to school, and and it's just continued to blossom and grow from there. We started fixing cars and in a shop out at Matt's place with one one hoist, and it's just grown and grown and grown. And not only do we fix their vehicles now, but we've been able to step into and take donated vehicles that people have given us, fix those up, and give it to people without a car. So, and Matt, how how from a transportation standpoint, it's it's a I don't think we think of transportation as a basic need, but it's transformative if you lose it and it's transformative, if you can get it back. Right. 
It's, it's a real big deal. And it depends on the community that you're in. In some communities, they've got really great public transportation. Uh, things are relatively packed together. We're here in Fargo, North Dakota, and uh, things are spread out. Uh, our buses don't run to all locations. Our buses don't run 24 hours a day or even seven days a week. So we have a lot of limitations for people who rely on the bus system. Uh, what we found was when we talked to the YWCA, we, it was the first organization we started with, they said that transportation was the number one barrier to uh, being self-sustaining, people being able to get out on their own. So that was, it, it's a big problem in our community and a lot of communities around the U.S. Jeremy, I'm thinking that this is um, uh, when somebody is offered help when it comes to CAR, um, there's a there's a hopefulness that is rekindled, I think, I would guess um, when you get to supply uh, this work and getting them back on the road where it's, it's no longer the bottom, but there's now a light at the end of the tunnel. Are you experiencing some of those things while you're, you know, through the ministry and, and, and how you're fixing cars? Absolutely. And hope, hope was a, a real key word. We had uh, a lady that we, we gave, I remember it clearly it was a, a red Cadillac too. It was an older Cadillac, but hope was what she she really keyed on. Giving her that vehicle enabled her to get around, get to the things she needed to. And more than just that, she said, it gave me hope. She said, the chips were down for so long and things just kept coming against me that this positive step forward and the help that you've given me gave me hope. Hope that I can continue. Hope that I can continue to you know improve, that things are going to get better. It rekindled that hope. And that is uh, it, not just addressing the physical need of transportation, the instilling hope. We've had numerous tier sessions and, but that's at the root of it. Matt, is there one individual, you know, outside of the uh, red Cadillac uh, young lady, because that's, that's fantastic. But is there, is there a moment in the early stages of when you began this as, you know, as you, as you're saying, like a side hustle or a hobby, to just sort of give back to things that you like doing. Was there a moment or a story of you helping someone else that sparked this? We This could be bigger than uh, a, a side project in your own garage with a single lift? Well, you know, there was. Really early on, we went uh, to help a lady who had just lost her job. And, you know, she was staying at a shelter. And we went to, we actually went to that parking lot and to fix her car. And what happened was, uh, she had a abusive relationship she was in and her abuser had ripped the windshield wiper arm off of her car on the driver's side, broke the whole arm off. And she didn't know what to do. Um, she didn't know how to fix it. She didn't have any money. She's staying in a shelter. It was pouring rain. So she couldn't drive to work and she lost her job because of that. Now we, we drove out there. It was a a $20 part that we picked up on the way there. It was a single bolt that took us less than five minutes to replace. So our amount of money and effort that we put into this was almost trivial. I mean, the amount of, it, it just really wasn't any amount of work. It was a little bit of knowledge, but the fact that we could do that and execute it was the difference between her having a job and not. And we realized that, you know, we, a little bit of what we can do can be just huge life-changing for other people. And we, we should keep doing it. Another thing that I think is fascinating, and I think you read stories about this all the time, is that the average uh, American family doesn't have enough in their savings to uh, co conveniently pay for an auto 
uh, or some some tragedy that would befall your auto uh, thing. And and there are, I think, uh, so many more families that are one uh, auto issue away from having a detrimental, uh, massive detrimental uh, effect to their entire family lifestyle. And is and Jeremy, are you finding that your mission and your ability to do this is that sense of reprieve and the amount of dominoes that don't fall because you help are, are, are happening? Yeah. So fantastic lead in there was a, it was a wind star in a, I believe it was February, just brutal cold. We had a request come in for a single mom who needed her brakes fixed. So we went and picked up the car, which was a challenge getting it out of the parking lot with no brakes in an icy, icy cold winter day. We got it back to the shop and started tearing into it. And we were both kind of taken back by the the damage that was done to the brakes. It wasn't what we thought. And it was, you know, we were kind of questioning, is this neglect? Is, well, man, this is really bad. I've never seen anything quite this bad. So anyways, we fixed up the vehicle and we brought it back to her. And this comment will, will stick with me forever. Is As she was expressing her gratitude, she said, you know, I knew my brakes were bad, but I had a choice to make. I could either put food on my table for my kids or I could fix my brakes. So to your point, absolutely. There are numerous people that are not just there. If it's an inconvenience, it's, it's not a possibility, right? It's a choice between food on the table or fixing their vehicle. And that's where we want to step in and say, you feed your kids. We'll take care of that car for you. One of the things that, you know, we mentioned living in North Dakota is not pleasant for like, I would say a good three, four months out of the year. And it gets, and this year, especially has just been so brutally cold. But have there been uh, challenges outside of weather and just the general wear and tear that we put on our own cars? Has there been a challenge over the last couple of years that seemingly was overwhelming? And how did you uh, sort of uh, overcome that, Matt? Like, is there from a finances to just mission, what's been the <clears throat> biggest challenge you've had and how did you how did you get past it? Well, we had a, we had a huge challenge. This has been about four years ago. Um, that we were growing, we were working out of my shop. I live on a farm. We have a shop out back. And uh, we found that the way we'd organized everything, that we were not uh, insurable to get regular auto repair insurance. And we'd worked with a lawyer to try and mitigate that. But the reality was we just weren't going to be able to get insurance the way we were organized. And then we didn't have a big enough shop. And uh, we didn't have good parking for uh, storing cars that were donated to us, so we could give them away. So they were just piling up in, in the yards. And, uh, and then we had a problem that we didn't really have any office space or any place for people to work. So we couldn't have volunteers come do the book work. So it was really this, we've grown to the point that we can grow and we need to find a way to solve all these problems without drastically increasing the overhead of what we do. And in, we looked at a lot of different options, looked at seeing if we could rent some space that didn't fix our insurance problem. We looked at trying to partner with people, but then that took a lot of the, you know, it, we, we, we lost some of the control over what we'd be able to do. Um, we'd be at other people's mercy on how we could do that. Um, and so what we ended up doing is we ended up starting a, a regular auto repair shop. And uh, we, so we started a for-profit business purely to enable our nonprofit. And by doing that, all of a sudden, the for-profit would pay for the building with the heat and electricity and the equipment. And the for-profit would pay for all the storage space for storing these vehicles and the office space. And the for-profit has no problem getting insurance. And once the for-profit had insurance, we were able to add the nonprofit on as a rider at no expense. So by 
making this kind of shift where we started as, I mean, we, we were, Jeremy and I, we didn't mention this, but we're both computer programmers. We worked together at Microsoft. So um, we made the switch from, Hey, we're a couple of car or computer programmers that like cars working in a, in a garage um, to we're going to start a real uh, business that purely exists to enable our nonprofit has just launched everything. Cause we've been able to grow tremendously without adding overhead to our, to our nonprofit. I think one of the things that nonprofit leaders have innate, like whether they know it or not, it's this entrepreneurial spirit, mm-hmm. because there is no way that that makes sense on paper that a normal brain would say, you know what, that sounds like a great idea. I'm going to start a for-profit to fund. Like that doesn't make sense. And so what I do is I appreciate this sort of entrepreneurial spirit in the, in the nonprofit world. And Jeremy, if there's a, a group or a handful of people who are either considering starting a nonprofit or who have just recently and are looking down the barrel of 10,000 different things on what to do first, and they're as confused as you were trying to figure all these things out, is there a tip or a trick that you would suggest uh, that nonprofit do that you found effective or something to drastically avoid uh, in order to uh, for them to be less pressurized uh, in, in their journey as well? You know, I, I think to avoid would be the, the fear of allowing it to grow, right? Don't Don't keep that that dream kind of bunched in what you think you can do and, and, and scope it to, well, this is all I'm going to get. So have that eliminate that fear and, and shoot for the stars with it. But in doing that, I think one of the things that's been really, really helpful is reaching out to others. Don't be afraid to learn from other people's mistakes. So when, when we started down this, this journey, we, you know, we sat down with the YWCA and had an honest conversation that this is kind of what we're thinking of doing. And they came back and said, well, did you think about this? And what about these things? And it was a, oh, hey, let's course correct that right away. And as we've continued to go through and hit these different things, we've reached out to other people and asked for that input of, you're not doing exactly what we're doing, but what should we avoid? What should we continue to do? So the the nonprofit community, you know, coming from, as Matt said, a corporate environment is very different to work with. And it's not a, hey, this is my piece of the world. I'm not going to tell you how success works to you jump into nonprofits and it's, yeah, this has worked. They love to share what's working and what's not so that everyone can grow and do better. I think the abundance mindset, if you can get there, and regardless of you think that there's an abundance of help, there's an abundance of revenue, there's an abundance of opportunity that you have to serve others. If you get there, uh, I think that is uh, what's such wonderful advice to keep in front of your brain. And speaking of abundance, there's probably people here who want to throw money or cars or expertise your way. And I want to make sure that that happens. So Matt, how on earth do people find Fix It Forward Ministry and how do they help? And what do you need? Uh, FixItForwardMinistry.com or look us up on Facebook or Instagram at Fix It Forward Ministry, the best way to get a hold of us and learn more about us. And uh, our big thing right now that we're really looking for is, of course, resource-wise is we're always looking for, of course, more money to be able to buy parts. We keep our overhead really low, but we fix a lot of cars. So we're looking for that and we're looking for a lot of volunteers. So if anybody knows anybody that uh, is in the area and is interested in uh, getting their hands a little dirty in a shop, they don't have to be a, you know, ASC certified technician. They just have to have somebody who knows, to be somebody who knows which way to turn the wrench. Uh, We'd love to have them be part of what we're doing. So I'm going to do, I'm going to go look at YouTube videos and figure out just that. And then I'm going to go volunteer myself. Uh, Jeremy, Matt, thank you so much for being a guest on the podcast, but more so thanks so much for what you do. It is a gap 
uh, that was desperately needed to be filled and you did it. And it's been really fun to watch your growth and uh, expansion uh, and then real impact in the community. It's been just a real joy to do. And thank you so much for being a guest on the official Do Good Better podcast. Thanks for having us. Look, as someone who listens to the show, you know that I love helping small and medium-sized nonprofits. That's why we bring on the awesome experts and guests that get to talk to you about how to make your organization more awesome. So I've got a deal for you. I would like to help you. I would like to work with you. So if you go to dogooduniversity.com, that's dogooduniversity.com, and you register for one of the courses, I'm going to send you my best-selling book, Fundraise Awesomer, a practical guide to staying sane while doing good for free because I really want you to do amazing work. Listen, dogooduniversity.com. Go pick out something, whether it's a board training or a gratitude training or whatever webinar you want to choose. Use the promo code podcast. Take 25% off of anything that you purchase. And I'm going to throw in a book as well because I want you to do awesome. I want you to do awesomer. And I want you to do good better. Go to dogooduniversity.com today.